Hello and welcome back to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Gilmore Girls is the coffee and we're the shot of cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And this week we are discussing episode 11 of season five, Women of Questionable Morals. Are you a woman of questionable morals? Uh, Probably by revolutionary war standards, yes. I think like every woman in the 21st century is probably uh questionable by that by those standards yeah i mean (laughs) maybe even by today's standards who knows yeah probably um but obviously the title refers to um the revolutionary war reenactment and um shall we put it delicately the 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 woman of the night or as they put it woman of easy virtue (laughs) yeah why wasn't that the title I don't know. I think, well, Questionable Morals was one of their, like, when Woman of Questionable Morals was one of their potential titles. I know, but that was just much more hilarious, in my opinion. But I, I think I think one way or another, that whole plot line is, was just a little um, iffy. Was it iffy, or was it funny? It's funny, but I think it's also, like, iffy in a way that would be, like, iffy today, but not iffy then, you know? So what part of it, the fact that they're talking about a hooker, um, the fact that they're still reenacting a revolutionary war? Well, that's a given. Like, we know Stars Hollow is Stars Hollow. Um, I yeah. think, so I, th- I think we're, we're given to believe that the <laughs> this, this fictional woman in this fictional history of Stars Hollow who uh, somehow distracted the British military officer from winning the civil i don't even know she distracted the british the british officer away from the civil war and no we'll not get, the I, civil war the revolutionary Revo- war. revolutionary war yeah see you know what <laughs> you can see how much i pay attention um so i think but i think we're given to believe that she was clearly a sex worker right like yeah but- so i think uh, the th- the part that made me icky uh-huh was that an icky like it's all relative at this point but like icky was the fact that they were having the children narrate this yeah and not to say that you know a sex worker featuring in a historical narrative is bad like i think that's you know that that should be welcomed especially considering that we need to destigmatize sex work overall but that's still a very much 21st century problem um i think what i what's, what's iffy to me is just how Kirk and this group of old white men are sitting around discussing how to portray a quote unquote woman of easy virtue. And then like Taylor is sitting in a casting room trying to like, you know, just, just kind of felt like wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I agree with the fact that like, I find the discussion around it was what was icky more than yeah. anything. So like if they had just said, you know, we discovered that this woman played an important role in, you know, helping win the this battle, mm-hmm. um, you know, while also not glossing over the fact that she was a prostitute because sex work is work. And, yeah. um, you know, there's that saying it's the oldest profession in history. Just trying to get by. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, 
like you said, there's still very much a stigma surrounding sex work, even though it is work. Um, you know what always also off topic, but you know what always pissed me off is that we judge sex workers, but not people for paying for sex. Oh, exactly. Like it's 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 an age the age old tale. We're not going to dis- we don't stigmatize the men who pay for the sex. It's just the women who offer. Just the women who offer. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyways, that's that's a whole other podcast discussion. <laughs> but yeah, I think. You're right. I think the discussion surrounding it and trying to cast um, the perfect hooker, um, as Luke calls her. So they they didn't go so far as to call her that, but Luke called her a hooker. Um, you know, Kirk screams, my girlfriend's the whore. Yeah. It's um, all funny and it's all relative, but I don't know. I think <laughs> I think when you sit down, and you think about it, it's like, like you said, you really, should children really be narrating this? I mean, so that's the part where I'm like, I don't think children should be narrating it. Um, you know, if you're gonna do a war reenactment, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, like in general to include the story, but yeah, I don't think children should be narrating it. Um, I also don't think like if you notice when right before they held the auditions, there's a shot outside of Miss Patty's mm-hmm. where it just says in quotes "girl audition." Yeah. So they also just don't know how to describe her. And why not describe her as what she is? Like, hero. <laughs> yeah, like, woman. woman. Woman hero. Like, why with the quotes? You know what I mean? Because... Viola you... Davis, my woman king. How about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, if, if she really did what you said she did, and it's because of her that you were able to... That Lafayette was able to win the battle, then, you know, callers don't don't like infantilize her and be like girl audition exactly like yeah that's that that's the part that is iffy to me like yeah and i also didn't like where he's like give me your best come hither look yeah as if taylor dosey can define what what what's the best come hither look yeah although i do think it was hilarious that kirk was kind of doing it in the background oh my god that's my favorite line this entire episode kirk don't be a pageant mom exactly um so when i say it was funny i mean like there's definitely certain aspects that are hilarious and like lorelei and roy's commentary when they're watching it and everything was really funny Mm -hmm. and you know (laughs) kirk coming out of the high school in this dress yeah um, and uh, Taylor looking at him for the first time. Um, so like those aspects are funny, but yeah, I agree with you. I think there's definitely places where I'm like, Ooh. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just the kind of show that it is, right? Like we we're not, we're not meant to take it that seriously, but we wouldn't have a podcast. if we weren't going to take it seriously. So. Exactly. But yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Gilmore girls does that really well where it's, uh, takes a moment that maybe isn't that serious and makes you think about it. Yeah. Um, but also probably for the time, this was really meant for just comedic relief. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's not that deep as we said. Yeah. And I think as long as we're talking about, we might as well just finish our, just finish our discussion of the woman of questionable morals. Of course. Um, I think Taylor getting so livid in the moment was obviously because he could have, he, like t- Kirk was trying to find Taylor the day of to let him know like Lulu is sick she's not gonna be able to do the performance what should we do he couldn't find him so you know Kirk knew the show the show must go on you know I think Kirk rallied whereas then Taylor's just Taylor's just so mad I'm like well he could have just let your show crumble and you would have been even more mad so at least he tried <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I agree with you. Like, props to Kirk for for saying like something has to give, you know. Yeah. But also, I think in the moment too, 
again, like we said, it's not that serious. But you know, in the auditions where Taylor is trying to kind of direct these girls, and yes. he's like, "Ladies, come on! You've just seen a great man on a stallion, and like exactly." You know? So he, very, I think, you know, this is my opinion, but I think he very much sees it as a slight towards him. Yeah, exactly. So, like this was his big moment, you know. <laughs> like the press is there, you know. It's such a as if we give a fuck, but like, um, you know, he sees it as a personal affront <laughs> that yeah, and as Kirk if would do this deliberately to embarrass him. <laughs> And as if Kirk couldn't act Taylor under the table any day. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, you know what, Taylor, you're not getting your Oscar anytime soon, okay? Yeah. But also, I think it just speaks to a larger, like, theme throughout the show where Taylor is constantly disappointed in Kirk. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, we, we don't hear much about Kirk's father. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kirk very much, in my opinion, views Taylor as a father figure. Yeah. And always wants to please him. Mm-hmm. So like when Kirk does like goes above and beyond to try and please Taylor, um, you know, because I think in his mind, he's like, I, what are you talking about? Like, I saved the production. The, the press is here. Like, yeah, we have to do something, you know? So it just makes my heart kind of break for him. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, he has the best intentions, you know? He's not doing it to to laugh at you, but um, this ongoing theme throughout the show where Taylor's just always disappointed in Kirk kind of makes my heart break. The worst is the Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And his stupid little toupee <laughs> where he thinks he's so much better than everyone. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, there are definitely moments where I think Taylor, like, gets on our nerves for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there were elements of that in this episode, but I think the the comedy of it kind of outweighed the shitty tailorness of it. Yeah. One last comment about the whole woman of easy virtue production. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Lorelai and Rory's commentary during the performance. And Laurel, it's okay. So there's a pop there's a pop culture reference within this dialogue that I had I don't think I'd I'd caught before, like hadn't paid attention enough to it until now. And so I had to look it up because I, I didn't know what, what she was talking about. So Lorelai says the dialogue is worse than from Justin to Kelly. You don't know what that is? I have K. Okay, I had never knew. I had no idea this existed until today. Stop it. I was today years old when I when I learned of this. Stop it right now. Okay. So for those who don't know. From oh, my Justin, God. Oh, my God. From Justin to Kelly is this like musical romantic comedy starring the the very first winner and runner-up of American Idol, aka Kelly Clarkson and Justin, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Justin. Guardino, I think. Guarani? Guardino. No, I can spell it. It's (laughs) G-U-A-R-I-N-I. That's definitely not his name. Okay, fine. Look it up yourself. (laughs) If anybody knows how to pronounce the first runner-ups, Last name of American Idol, please let us know. Um, Yeah, so I'm guessing when American Idol first started, they thought it would be a huge success to have the two, uh, the top two, then go on to star in a musical rom-com together. Um, Yeah. Which didn't land and is considered one of the worst movies ever made. It has an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I have a quote from Kelly Clarkson about the, about the film. Yeah, I remember her not being thrilled. 
yeah so, so i think i think the the if i can just like because i was old enough to watch the first season of american idol yeah um, and i remember it being like this huge cultural phenomenon <laughs> like everyone was tuning in right it had yeah. the, the highest ratings it was crazy um and now we're sick of it because like there's so many different talent shows and singing shows but um I think back then if you won American Idol not only did you win like the grand prize whatever but you were also contracted with them oh absolutely and I think Kelly Clarkson got the worst of that yeah so I think um poor Kelly Clarkson like she was contracted to do all this stuff and whatever like I don't know I don't know if the movie did much for her popularity she was always really really popular Mm -hmm. but um yeah so you 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 essentially we're signing away your soul for like a year and they would have to do all these projects um and I think because the movie flopped so hard Mm. um like future idol winners didn't have the same obligation thank fuck like honestly because what a nightmare and sadly, I like I do know a bit of Kelly Clarkson trivia as far as just being a fan of her music. I do know that it was much more than a year of her life that she was like under like she was under contract to. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm um, just saying like the television portion of it and then she had the record portion of it. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't and I don't know if, you know, the, the deal benefited her for a long time. That's why she was able to stick with it or she was just, you know, coerced into being with that record deal for so long but like up until 2015 like her la- like her album in 2015 um that was her last album with like RCA slash 19 Entertainment which owns American Idol and she- I remember she said at the time that, that that record deal felt like an arranged marriage so she was like so happy to get out of it and into a mm-hmm. different record record deal for her next album and apparently she has like a whole divorce album coming out this year and I need it now, like right now. Anyway, okay. um, so in response to from Justin to Kelly, um, she admitted that she joined the film only because she was contractually contractually obligated to do so. And she pleaded with the creators of the show to be relieved from such obligation because she always disliked the concept. And she said, quote, I knew when I read the script, it was going to be real, real bad. But when I won, I signed that piece of paper and I could not get out of it. Yeah. So just to give you a synopsis of the movie, here's oh what it. Have you seen the movie? Uh, I've seen clips of the movie. OK, let's not so, let's not ever watch it. Um, I mean, I mean, I think we should. It's OK. Do you think it's more or less bad than um, Crossroads? Starring- I knew you were going to say Crossroads. Uh, I think it's more bad than Crossroads. Okay, because like there's a lot of worse people, is the there's word. A of, there's, worse. There's a lot of people who think Crossroads is actually good because it was written by Shonda Rhimes, but it doesn't mean anything. No, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so just to just to give you a, a a peek at the synopsis for the younger listeners who maybe weren't around during American Idol, um, it says in this musical, college student Justin arrives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, for spring break with his friends Brandon and Eddie and quickly crosses paths with waitress Kelly. Although Justin falls for Kelly almost instantly, Kelly's jealous friend Alexa tries her best to keep the two apart. Now this is where it gets hilarious. With the help of several song and dance numbers, however, Justin and Kelly eventually connect and make sweet, sweet music together. Oh my God. My skin is crawling. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I feel dirty. <laughs> it's not great. I feel like it'd be a great movie to watch, like, while you're high. It sounds very 2003. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was also, like, 
the era for that kind of shit. But yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, kudos to Kelly Clarkson for going through with it. Mm -hmm. I know she was contractually obliged, but, um, you know, later idol contestants should be thanking her for getting her out of their obligation oh absolutely like i can only imagine because she's spoken a bit in interviews over the years of what that experience was like being the first american eye where they had no idea what they're doing kind of like how the first season of drag race was an absolute terror yeah um like she said they would like drop this is, i could be misquoting so don't don't directly quote me on this but i remember reading something to the effect of like they would drop them off at a mall to go pick up, like go pick up their clothes instead of like they didn't have a wardrobe department oh, or something. Hilarious. I could, I could be, I could be getting that wrong. But I remember reading something to that effect, like drop them off at a mall. Um, I mean... Which <laughs> no, sweetie, you dress me if I'm on, if I'm on a show. But I guess like reality TV in 2002 was in a very different place. Definitely, but yeah, I can't believe you didn't know about that movie. Like I, oh, I have ne- never heard of this. <laughs> And you know, I I was I didn't I didn't watch the that season when it was on TV because I was a little I was a little too young. But I w- definitely watched the later seasons of American Idol, like yeah. after that. So I'm just like uh, kicking myself on that one, just almost as much as how we didn't know the reference to they shoot horses, don't they? Because that yeah. still keeps that still keeps me up at night. Well, we're dumb. What do you want? <laughs> Considering um... there's so many other shows that have named episode titles with that same reference i've noticed okay, since. well sue me we're dumb <laughs> we're dumb that that i can agree with but yeah i feel like i don't know if it's available on any streaming services but oh. i feel like you should watch it like when you re- when you just read the premise to me it sounded like an mtv original movie like that's you know that's why i said I that mean, I, so I think this is yeah this is like the precursor to mtv original movies probably this was like the og <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyways um Jesus, and I'm sure the soundtrack is equally hilarious <laughs> because it says it says featured songs, and one of the titles is "The Bounce," parentheses "The Love," but "Love" spelled L-U-V. Okay, you know you're I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not available to stream anywhere because if it was, I think the gays on Twitter would have been like underrated masterpiece. Probably the gays have questionable taste. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I think that's all we can say for Kirk. Like, yeah, I feel bad for him. I love him. Yeah. Do you think he did his own makeup? I think he did. I think Kirk would be an amazing drag queen. Honestly, I was about to ask you, what do you think Kirk's drag name would be? Um, hmm, I don't know. Like, Starzy Hollow. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible at this. I don't know. I'm very bad at drag names. Yeah, I once asked Jeffrey what I thought what he thought his drag name would be if he ever did drag. The answers were not good. What did I say? I don't remember. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'll I'll go back to our text and I'll find them. But I Me just remember like... thinking for a gay, you have no no idea. <laughs> like I I could see myself doing various aspects of the drag experience when it comes down to like nitty-gritty. Like I'm clearly not passionate enough to make to do it you know yeah it's clearly not a fleshed out idea (laughs) no Mm -mm. anyways but um in case anyone was wondering mine's clitorella i remember that yes and actually i think i don't remember if i said this to you at the time but i but i remember me and my friend who i used to work with um i'm like we used to like trade music with each other and i like i gave her the Sia album called 1000 uh, Forms of Fear. And there's a song on that album called Cellophane. 
And she came in, like, she came into work one day and she's like, I love cellophane. I'm like, off the top of my head, I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck that is. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm thinking like cellophane, is that a drag queen? <laughs> With oh cell- cellophane. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're going to spell it weird too. But yeah. Anyways, moving on from this discussion. Yes. All that to say, Kirk, pretty. Um, let's talk about, uh, unfortunately who we have to talk about because a lot of the episode revolves around him i have some i have some 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 notes i can read out verbatim if you'd like i think you'll enjoy them sure go ahead okay right college classes huh eat dirt um teachers talk a lot no bells there's no bells fall off a bridge please there you go that's not enough notes by jeffrey yes (laughs) um so in case you haven't deduced we have to talk about Christopher because he once again makes an appearance in this episode. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the 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 season where he makes the most appearances other than season seven. I think so. And even season seven, like he's only in the first half because thankfully they give him the well, maybe more than the first half. I don't remember exactly, but I, I, I have a feeling this is definitely the season where he shows up the most. Um, and so this episode for me is is very weird. Because uh, last time Christopher and Rory spoke, it was at the inn where they were essentially screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. And Christopher, you know, trying to assert his dominance as a parent when everyone knows you're not a parent. Yeah. Um, and then he shows up and expects her to drop everything without so much as a you know, hey, last time we saw each other wasn't great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me really highlighted the fact that you're not a parent, you know? Yeah. Um, because maybe if you had a different relationship with her, you know, sometimes you fight with your parents or your mom or your siblings, whatever. And you can be like, okay, we're not going to talk about it, but we both know. But that's because you have a good relationship, right? Mm. This is not the kind of relationship where you could just be like, yeah, we're going to forget that ever happened. No, she's clearly still upset as she should be. You know, you did something you weren't supposed to do. Um, You tried to pull the dad card when it's like laughable at this point. Yeah. Um, And she clearly doesn't want anything to do with you. Um, But as is her right, not only as an adult now, because she's what, 1920. Yeah. But also her rights as the child you neglected right Mm -hmm. so you know i'm he's standing at her door and he's like yeah let's go get breakfast on me paris let's go and she's like no i have class i can't do it blah blah blah. oh oh, play hooky with me who cares yeah so you know it's so frustrating to watch that for me what's even more frustrating is afterwards when we learn that the reason he went is because he's you know feeling all kinds of regrets um now that his dad is sick and he wants to make amends with rory Mm -hmm. so i do have to give him props for taking some kind of accountability he's like there's a wall there and i put it up okay but but, hold on (laughs) so it's minuscule in my mind because after years of you know, like she said, when she went to see him, empty promises and not being there and her wishing and praying and begging that her parents would get back together or at least, you know, just to have a dad. Yeah, you know, that that is clearly not enough. Right. 
No. But I do, you know, I think it's more than he's ever done in his life. That's why I give him some credit. The smallest sliver. Yeah. However, the part for me that really gets me going Mm -hmm. and any props that I gave him, I didn't take away (laughs) is when she goes to visit him after she finds out that his father died. Yeah. And then when she's leaving, she's having this conversation. She calls Lorelai and she's having this conversation with Lorelai. And she's saying, you know, I should have, I should have spoken to him. I just sent him away. I was so mean, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, girl, no, don't do it. Don't you dare feel guilty. Yeah. This, that's, that's my problem with this, this story in this episode. Yeah. It's like, it, it's almost like they just don't want to, at least at this stage later on is a different story, but at this stage, they just don't want to let us hate Christopher. It's like as if in this episode, um, he arrives and it's he at Yale and he wants to make amends, but it's it's and again, I'm not a parent. I don't nor is Christopher, but like I'm not a parent in the sense of I don't know what it's like in general. You know, I've observed I'm a I am a child of a parent, but I'm not I can't speak as if I am one. But at the same time why do you have to wait until your father is dying to make amends? Like, I get that a lot of shit has gone down and you had a fight and you, like you said, it's not the kind of relationship where you can just kind of not address it, like not address it out loud, but address it as if like, okay, I know we're fine because time moves on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just, it bothers me because he shows up wanting to make a man saying like, oh, you know, me and my dad were like this and I don't want us to be like that, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but why did you have to wait until your dad was dying? Like, oh, where were you yeah. Where were you last year? Yeah, so not to take anything away because I also agree. How many times have I said, where have you been, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of get, um, I don't know, like when somebody dies and we saw this also with um, when Gran died, right? Yeah. So grief does weird things to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see how, you know, maybe having a a weird relationship with your father when he's alive, you can kind of ignore it because you're thinking, whatever, he's always going to, you never think they're going to die kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can say is maybe, you know, being confronted with his father's mortality, because it's clear at that point that he, when he goes to see Rory, like he knows how bad it is. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it did something to him. Uh, I'm still tempted to say like too little, too late kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think one of the strong aspects of this episode is that that's just life sometimes. <laughs> you know, like people make amends when people die. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, like, you know what? Some Sometimes people say, um, you know, like it took this to bring us together. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. I just hate yeah. the way he makes Rory feel even unconsciously like guilty for the fact that she didn't she sent him away, you know? Exactly. And that's that just comes from who Rory is and how she's she's wired, unfortunately. Um, but I think I like I'm probably as sensitive to this issue as you as you are in terms of I think we've both been in situations where we're the Rory in this equation. So um, it's difficult to watch other people, even fictional characters deal with their own circumstances of such. 
to me, I don't know. I get the whole, I took this situation, this happenstance to bring us together. I get that. I get families messy and ugly and all things of those nature. But I don't know, to me and to me in, in my in my head, in my personhood, in my experience, it's I'm just kind of not. I'm not, I'm not sensitive to that. To me, it's like, you had all this time. I was here. You wronged me. Why do I have, like, I think I have also felt like Roy Rose, like, oh, then I feel guilty because yeah. you were then going through a hard time and I didn't know. And I pushed you away, et cetera. And then I'm, then, the, but then the, the cycle just continues. It's like, to me, it's just like Charlie Brown and Lucy with, and the football. So I don't know. To me, all it comes to mind with Christopher and his grief and his, dad's death in this episode all it has all the only thing that brings to mind is that meme that clip on twitter of that little old lady saying i just feel sorry for that bitch i don't i mean i don't feel sorry for him Mm -hmm. but there's a there's a part of i think the way i was raised Mm -hmm. that how many times you know i've had my mother or my grandmother tell me like okay yeah they did you wrong but be the bigger person Oh, God, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) No, but I mean, I think we've also talked about that, you know, in in some aspect or another on the show, too, about how, you know, you have every right to be mad. You know, like, I think we even spoke about it earlier this season when when Rory, uh, sorry, when Lorelai went to help uh, with Gigi, right? Yeah. Um, You know, like, I don't owe you shit, but something in us just you know, says that, you know, I'll be the bigger person. And I kind of blame this new agey bullshit, like gurus of, no, I'm serious, of like, you'll never know inner peace unless you forgive. And like, you're letting them live rent free in your mind. They're moving on with their lives, but you're still festering with all this anger. And I'm like, let me be angry. Yeah. And to me, what like, that's for sure, like some new age self-help culture nonsense um nothing against self-help books but no not at all but but if you have to be true you have to be choosy of what you consume um to me it's in my experience with the way i had to shape the anger in this kind of similar situation is you can be angry and not let anyone touch your anger until you're ready to deal with it in your own way so like whatever like if you're still holding on to that anger, to me, like there's a reason for it. So maybe it is unhealthy and it's reached a point where it's affecting you and your relationships and that's completely valid, but it's not up to another person to be like, oh, they're living rent free, just let it go. Like, I'm sorry, trauma is trauma and that takes a long time to work through. Yeah, but it's also just like, I find we, so I understand the premise of, you know, of course you don't want to be like bitter and angry and hold on to all of that. Mm Um, because eventually it will affect your life. So I get that part of it. But the other part is if you move too far away in the other direction, yeah, you're a pushover. Exactly, exactly. And you end up in a situation like we're going to see in a couple of episodes where Lorelai is trying to be nice mm-hmm. to Christopher because she's given him an- every indication that like they're friends and everything's okay. And, you know, yeah, but he ends up like destroying her relationship. Spoilies. <laughs> but you know what i mean like so i think like you said sometimes your anger is valid there's a reason you're holding on to it there's a reason i think your brain holds on to it either to protect you or to warn you 
Again, yeah. I'm not a psychologist, but I mean, like, that's been my experience. You know, there's a reason I'm still angry with this person. And yeah, I can play nice and do whatnot, especially in a time of grief. But, you know, what bothered me about the conversation that Rory was having with Lorelai, and she was like, you know, you're his friend, you should talk to him. What happened to, you know, two weeks ago when you were talking about how he ruins her life? Mm-hmm. That's not going to go away just because his dad died. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and so, uh, you know, he's grieving and it's fine to feel for him and it's fine to want to reach out to him. But it's not like he's going to completely change as a person just because his father died. No. And, you know, ugh, triggered. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with the blinders that we mentioned that Lorelai has for Christopher, which is a, in itself is a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. To me, it's just like you said, it's definitely you get put, you get pulled in the other direction and then you're pushed over and you and you mislead the other person into thinking nothing is wrong and that kind of or we're okay, nothing is wrong now. And then it just kind of you you open up a, a space in your life for them to hurt you all over again in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Right. So um I guess it's a total cliche and I don't always subscribe to it, but you know, like the whole like forgiven but not forgotten crap right <laughs> i don't another, i think another new on, age guru thing yeah i think like depending on my mood i might subscribe to that but if you're interested in how i deal with these feelings from time to time or in general any kind of angst i might have over forgiving and forgetting people who have wronged me in the past i usually listen to not ready to make nice by the chicks and because oh. <laughs> you know That's they had reason song. They had reason to they had reason to be mad. Of course. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just think the whole thing was and then I found myself getting mad at Rory, and I'm like, don't get mad at Rory. Mm-hmm. She's being manipulated, you know? But it's just really frustrating to watch that because she does a complete 180 from like stay away from mom, she's finally doing good in her life, to like, no, you should go over. <laughs> Why? Why does he have to go over? Why does she have to go over? And it's kind of, I don't know, you, you, you're you you're the woman in the, in the equation, so you you give me your thoughts. But to me, doesn't that kind of just give a give off a, a negative, like a negative portrayal of women in terms of they just drop everything and come and come calling kind of? Is that, am so I wrong? So part of it, no, I see what you're saying. And I think part of it is just, this has always been how these characters, you know, are written. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't know if it's, it's intentionally done like this, but women are generally thought of as caregivers. Yeah. Um, as natural caregivers, right? So like when there is something like this, we're gonna rally and you know, do what we can to comfort, um, because maybe we're more equipped in society's eyes to deal with this. Yeah. So I definitely think there's some of that going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't remember Christopher ever being there for Lorelai in her times of need. Never. Well, <laughs> not not that we've seen. No, but I mean, like, I don't remember. Well, part of it is just the way Christopher was written, never to be like a, the trusted parent. You know. But, yeah, he, he could have been there for her when they were kids. Well, but... so here's the thing. That's what I was gonna say. It's like she 
she had to do a lot of it on her own and it was kind of implied that she couldn't call him for help right Mm -hmm. um but even then i i don't see her calling him for help for anything you know um you know i've always often wondered this but like remember when they needed money for rory to go to yale yeah how come they hit christopher up to yale or children excuse me yeah like hello (laughs) you know so you know I, i i think part of it is a woman thing Mm-hmm. Um, but part of it is just these women in particular having a soft spot for this garbage man. Yeah, and I think, like you said, there was definitely a reason that Lorelai didn't ask him for help. Yeah. And also, I think if we're talking like when Rory needed money for Chilton, then we're given to understand that, like at the beginning of the show, he was still trying to find himself and find like make <laughs> get his life together and all that stupid crap that we make excuses for men about so yeah but again that comes back to like men have the luxury of doing that yeah exactly you know i just um not to go off topic but it's kind of relevant um i just reread daisy jones and the six Mm -hmm. and um so if you don't want to hear about it because the show is coming out soon but spoilies um there's a character who gets pregnant Yes. And who's having a conversation with um, her boyfriend, her lover, whatever. And he's like, we can have this baby, you know, like you can quit the band and mm-hmm. we can have this baby. And she said something like, I don't remember the exact quote, but she said something like, yeah, it's really easy to want all this stuff when you're not the one who has to sacrifice. Yeah. You know, and so that's very much still um, like a stereotype, a gender role of like, yeah, it's super easy for him to say, like, let's have the baby and, you know, let's be parents, but then go off and find himself. The burden never falls on him. No, and that, that's especially true in the rock and roll culture of the 70s, right? Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, if we look at it in the context of Gilmore Girls also, or just women in general, like, mm-hmm. it's really easy for men to say, like, oh, it'll be fine. Well, because you have the option of leaving whenever you want. Yeah, exactly. You're not tethered to this thing. You don't have to go through nine months of, you know, everything that comes with pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you're judged less harshly if you do walk away. Um, yeah. Because a man walking away is seen as like, well, he doesn't have that maternal parental instinct. But whereas if a woman doesn't have that instinct, it's like, what are you talking about? You were made think- for this. <laughs> You know, can I make another reference to Ricky and the Flash? Oh God, yeah, sure. <laughs> There's a whole scene um, where she's performing at like her usual little local bar in California, where she performs with her band, and it's right after like she's gone home to take care of her daughter, and it didn't end badly, but you know, there's the bat like the line, the battle lines have been drawn, you know, um, and she just says she makes a she makes a comment about how um Mick Jagger had X amount of kids with X amount of different women. Yep. And he didn't raise any of those kids because he's a rock star. And uh more importantly is not the mother. And she kind of go she kind of like veers off script of playful banter with the crowd. And it leads to a bit of an awkward exchange between band members. But I think what she said about women, you know, women being judged more harshly for stuff that men do all the time is very much a thing. Yeah, of course. By the way, Mick Jagger, I think, has seven kids. So yeah, I can I can remember the exact numbers off the top of my head. So 
Um, and I think one of his kids is super young too, if I'm not mistaken. Like we're talking toddler. Probably. And he's in his 70s, 80s, I think now. So he's 79. 79. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think one of his kids is super, super young. But yeah, you know, Mick Jagger can continue to be Mick Jagger and nobody bats an eye. Yeah. Like, nobody <laughs> would ask Mick Jagger, like, stop. Nobody would tell Mick Jagger to stop touring and spend more time with his kids. No. And <laughs> we're veering very off topic. But one last thing on that is I find even as even like with the rise of the Me Too and Time's Up movements, I know it, it did obviously extend to, um, you know, mainstream music and, and musical spaces where such harassment and uh, misconduct had taken place. There's um, a woman, I think, who accused, who is who is currently um, accusing um, one of the members of the Backstreet Boys of like assaulting her on a tour bus in 2001. Mm-hmm. So I know that it's, you know, the Me Too movement, it wasn't excluded from that, but I find it didn't extend as harshly or as culturally as much to like the, to the music spaces. Because I find even now we're still, we're still struggling to articulate the whole, you know, rock star uh, aesthetic from the seventies, where it was like, you slept with groupies and that was just the thing. And I find it's hard to contextualize that now in like a post me too and times up world. Whereas like, we know we've kind of culturally have figured out a way to navigate that conversation in movies, TV, Hollywood, whereas in music, it's still a bit undefined. So, um, yeah, I don't know. To me, it's to me that's also iffy. Is had like, yeah, okay, that was okay in the seventies, and that was the thing. But is that okay now? Was it okay then? Was it ever okay? Like, are we gonna have that conversation? Yeah, I think it's the the consensus is pretty much it was never okay, but our attitude towards it has changed since, right? Yeah, and um, I think it's just I think what I mean is that in terms of the way we talk about yeah you know, women women making accusations and women coming forward, I think has shifted a lot culturally in in light of me too and times up whereas when it happens in music spaces like i remember when the it happens all the time people always ask like why did she wait so long that's a whole other conversation um but it still happens a lot i find when it's someone accusing a rock star like i know it happened really really harshly with the um accusations level against the members of the canadian band headley when that all went down um, I don't know if they're popular outside of Canada as much, but that was a whole thing. If you're interested, you can look that up. The accusations were really, really bad. So they've said that that ruined them. But I remember when that happened, it was just a lot of like Canadian young girl fans who were standing with them and it was just gross. So anyway, very off topic. <laughs> um, just to bring it back, the when I say that Rory and Lorelai have every reason to be upset. I think back to the first episode, the first ever Friday night dinner, where um, Richard says, speaking of which, I spoke to Christopher. And and she's like, how is that a speaking of which, you know? Yeah. So I think back to that episode and I think back to the fact that, you know, he's very much not in their lives. Mm -hmm. But here are her parents um, praising him for doing so well out in California or wherever the fuck he is. Yeah. And, but like really putting her through the ringer for reaching out and doing what she has to do for her kid. Mm -hmm. You know? So when I think of, you know, a lot of people say that there's, there's a whole conversation on Instagram, Twitter, on the Reddit, wherever it is that people talk about Gilmore girls still talk about Gilmore girls. 
there's um you know a conversation that happens where people are like you're you guys are too hard on christopher he he did his best and blah 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 mm-hmm. um or you know like when he came back in their lives he drew he really tried yeah he wasn't there for this and this but like he tried when he came back my thing is in situations like these so bring it also bringing it back to the fact that people are like you know empty your heart of hate if i were lorelei and you know like i had to live in a shed and i had to go begging my parents for money and you were out there getting praised for like riding a motorcycle and being an idiot Mm-hmm. While I'm sitting here trying to put a kid through school and you know put a roof over our heads and I'm working my way up, that to me is anger that I think is justified in holding on to, right? Yeah. Um. So I'm not saying it's an anger that you should let rule the rest of your life, mm-hmm. but it's definitely an anger that is important because it's it's meant to guide you in a sense. I don't know if I'm making sense, <laughs> but no, it's meant it. to tell you like, you know, Hey, you, you started from here. You're here, you know, don't forget you did this on your own. You know, like I'm also reminded of the scene now I'm getting way ahead of it, but I'm also reminded of the scene in season seven where he wants more kids. And he's like, well, the first one turned out pretty good. And it's like, yeah. no asshole. She didn't turn out good. I did good. You know, yeah. I had to parent her. Where, where the hell were you? Yeah. You know, so like, that's an anger that if I'm Lorelai, I'm holding on to that anger. <laughs> and like I said, not to let it destroy my life. I'm not thinking about it every day. I'm not plotting my revenge. Yeah. But that's an anger that stays with you for good reason. Mm-hmm. And it makes you, in my opinion, it should make you think twice about, you know, here we are 20 years later and I'm still picking up the pieces of your fucking life. No, thank you. Because you best believe if it was me that he called in a panic because his daughter couldn't stop crying, I'd be like, oh, sucks. Bye. Yeah, it's. So sometimes I really get frustrated with the Gilmore Girls because they're too forgiving. And that's not always a good thing. Yeah. And I think that definitely comes from a place of, like you said, be the bigger person. And the way the show is written, it's not going (laughs) to it's not going to have them like plotting christopher's death or um them being petty betties longer than they need to be you know so yeah i think it's, it has to fit that still family comfort aesthetic of do the right thing even though lorelei doesn't do always do the right thing in every in every regard but let me tell you something though i think it would have made for a better um episode or maybe show in general like i think it would have made for a more interesting season five if she had ignored him Mm. and like maybe left rory and him to figure out their own shit by not getting her involved um yeah that's a more interesting that's a more interesting plot to me (laughs) meaning like lorelei like purposely ignored him um, not purposely ignored him, but been like, you know, I'm not going to invite him to lunch after I helped him kind of thing. Like, that was okay. unnecessary. So, like, Lorelai, you know, Lorelai set a boundary between between her and Christopher. Exactly. And the only appearances that he would make in season five were be trying to smooth things over with Rory. Yeah, because I think even as a father, that's where your energy should lie, right? You you have this whole yeah. speech when you go visit her at Yale about how there's a wall and you put it there. Well, that's where your energy should be. It shouldn't be on... Lorelai 
and yeah. you know getting back with Lorelai and you know fixing your life with your new daughter like what the fuck <laughs> anyways um, that was our Christopher rant yeah and there's of always course so much just, to say yeah and of course they just had to the, the writers just knew it's like we're gonna do a love triangle <laughs> can I just say something about the trope yes. of love triangles in general. Sure. It's old. <laughs> they keep soap operas alive. <laughs> okay. Not really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is like, to me, it's become so unoriginal the way it's done. Yeah. Um, And it's just like, every time we need to spice things up, throw mm. in a love triangle. You know what? Give me a... Uh... Give me a show all about gays and a gay love triangle. I'll be there every I'll be there every week. <laughs> well, I think that's different because we haven't seen any shows with gays. With a love triangle, at least with a love triangle. Yeah. I mean, we we haven't seen so str- what I'm saying is straight tropes like that have been done to death. Yeah. Right? So if you want to like apply them to a a queer context. If you if you apply them to a queer context, it's usually not something we've seen before. So I wouldn't mind it, you know, because it's almost yeah. as if you're starting from scratch in the context of queer context, you know. But you know, it's just like there are so many. I just think in my head, like there are so many things that this couple could be arguing about, or like, you know, that could cause tension within a relationship. There are millions of things, you know, and mm-hmm. the tired old trope of throwing a third person is just that it's tired like give me actual conflict that you know mirrors real life yeah and i have to wonder we're skipping ahead but i have to wonder if the writers were sitting on some kind of luke lorelei christopher love triangle from whichever earlier point in the show and they were saving it or it came about more organically in the sense of okay Luke and Lorelai are flying together what kind of curveball can we throw them I'm, I'm thinking it's more it's more the latter yeah I think so too I think I don't know now that you say it I think it would have made for a much more character driven show if um well it's already dirty as a character character driven show but it would have made for even an even better one if um, it had been written the way you said, like Lorelai and Christopher, like Lor- like Lorelai set that boundary with Christopher and he and Rory kind of tried to work out their their beef with each other. I think that would have been a bit more, re- I'm not going to say realistic, but it would have been a bit more satisfying, I guess, to those of us who hate, <laughs> those of us who hate Christopher, uh, but also just in general, it would have, I think it would have just enhanced the character driven aspects, don't you think? Well- Yeah, for me, I think so, because there's already this element of like a parent-child relationship, you know, not Mm. seeing eye to eye, trying to mend fences, but still very much being your own person. So we see that every week with the way Emily and Lorelai interact or Richard and Lorelai interact. So I think if you wanted to even bring it full circle and, you know, give us a different type of that kind of um, relationship, you Mm -hmm. know. And doing that with Christopher, I think that would have been really interesting, too, because we can see how Lorelai's handling it. And we can see how Rory, who is, you know, meant to know better and at least have this capacity to have more um, nuanced conversations. I think, you know, that would have made for more interesting television. But there's a reason I'm not in the writer's room. 
Yeah, who are who are we to judge? Well, no, it's still already a pretty interesting television show, but you know what I mean. Yes, exactly. Anyways, um, um, let's talk need, about. We need to talk about. We need to talk about the main supporting character in this episode. The dog. The snow. The snow. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's there. It's it's there. It's not so happy. No, I think it's a very realistic portrayal portrayal of like sn- first snowfall happiness to okay, I don't like you're disrupt you're disrupting my life now. Yeah, like I'm over this. Yeah. I think as Canadians as Canadians. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. We all reach a point in sometime in February. Uh-huh. Where you're just like, okay, fuck off now. Yeah, and absolutely, it's it's a good thing we're talking about this this week because I literally reached my reached that point yesterday, and as of this recording yesterday was February twenty eighth, so last day of February, um, it was literally blizzardous outside, and it wasn't even cold, so it was like wet, sticky snow, and it's you know like when you get in the car and it's like warm as warm as fuck in the car because you have to be unfogging the windows, but then you're sweating because it's not actually cold outside, um, and I tried to go for a walk. I tried. Well, I did go for a walk, but I had to completely change my route because apparently we can't plow the sidewalks in the side streets or anything else in my city. So I was stuck walking in the middle of the road pretty much. And I was at the end of the day, I was like, I shouldn't, I just shouldn't have left the house today. It's like after, of, of all days to, to go out and do stuff today was not it. Yeah. So first week of March and we're expecting a big snowstorm on Friday. Um, <sighs> And I'm just like, yeah, I think there's a point where every Canadian's just like, shut the fuck up, Mother Nature. Like, and I think this, I don't know about Toronto, but I know about Montreal that this year we've gotten, this winter we've gotten the most snow we've we've had in several years. So. so I've been here three years and my first year here, I was like, oh, sweet, no snow. I can get used to this because you get the occasional snow, um, you know, falling, but it wasn't, yeah. it was really nothing crazy. You know, I think I wore my boots twice. This year we've been lucky up until this point, but I'm still like at my breaking point because this city does not know, despite being a Canadian city that consistently gets snow, it still mm-hmm. doesn't know how to deal with said snow. It's just so funny because Toronto gets comparatively less snow than exactly here. And yeah. It's like you have no idea. And you said you you know because you lived even more up north and in another province where it was like 80 to 100 centimeters of snow. Oh yeah, 100 centimeters and people are like we're going to Timmy's. Like and you're like <laughs> Shut up and go inside. But yeah, I just, you know what it always reminds me of? Every time there's a snowstorm and like they don't know what to do with the plows. I'm always reminded of when I was in university or in college, whatever. And I get so overwhelmed with all the work I had to do that I would just take a nap. That's what I picture like the people that run this city doing. Like, sir, yeah. which road should we prioritize? Uh, uh, I don't know. Let me go take a nap and figure it out. Yeah, exactly. That's a very, that's a, that's a very accurate uh, representation. Fucking idiots, <laughs> honestly. But all this yeah. to say, Lorelai is not happy. Well, she starts off being happy and she drags Luke's ass out of bed at three in the morning. Honest to God, if somebody did that to me, I'd murder them. See, I'm I'm Lorelai in the sense that I'll get that I'll get excited with the first snow like she does. Yeah, but you're not gonna wake up in the middle of the night, put on your pantoufles, and go outside. Exactly. Your pantoufles exactly. is your slippers. I'm sorry. 
I know what pantoufle is. Thank you. For the people that are listening and don't. Okay, sure. Dick. <laughs> Anyways, you know, like, if that were me, yo, he loves her so much because I would have been like, shut the fuck up and go back to sleep. <laughs> it's real love. Yeah, That's, yeah. you know, the only way I can describe it because not my ass. <laughs> but anyways she goes thinks it's super magical until one thing after another starts going wrong so yeah. first it's no mats at the end then they lost the gold farbs the gold farbs the gold farbs the gold farbs the goldbergs i don't remember but they lost a couple the, far- the gold farbs yes the gold farbs then the plow um you know puts all the snow in the driveway so they can't leave the inn then she steps in a puddle which is like the least of your problems i feel like yeah, pretty much. Like anyone walking in the snow has had wet feet. Relax, chill. Yeah. Also, and can I just car- say she's dressed super inappropriately for the winter? <laughs> so I feel like a lot of the problems with the snow are on you, babe. <laughs> yeah. And I could not see Laura like Gilmore surviving a Canadian winter either. No. And like, of course, you love the snow if you've never had to do anything in the snow and you're just watching it from your windows. But exactly. Like, that's, that's what my mom always tells me. It's like, oh, you love winters. You like, you like watching winter. When it comes down to shoveling, no thanks. Oh, I love shoveling. We've been over this. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I once mm-hmm. went to Jeffrey's house to record an ep- episode of the podcast, and I'm like, I'm gonna shovel your driveway. <laughs> that was like, because right. okay, that was a whole thing because that was a year where our snow removal company like went bankrupt halfway through the winter, so we were without snow removal for the second half. And who gets stuck shoveling the driveway? Me. And she yeah. comes over to record on our usual day. And I'm like struggling to, sh- to, to shovel the stupid driveway because. First of I all, you've not... never you've never seen comedy unless you've seen Jeffrey try to shovel. He'll do like <laughs> one line and then he'll put his hands on his hips and be like, oh, I'm like, sir, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I can't even argue with that. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas me, I get there and I'm like, give me the shovel and I'm doing it in five minutes. I love to shovel. Pretty much. You and my mother should go live in some winter wonderland igloo because she's the exact same way. I love shoveling. I don't know what I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's just it's amazing to me. But anyways, um, yeah, so her skinny scarves are not gonna cut it in the winter. No. And I don't I have to wonder how cold it actually gets in Stars Hollow. Well, they were well, it's Connecticut, it gets pretty cold. Yeah, it's not that it's not that far from us. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're used to the the cold weather. Like East Coast, so it's still pretty cold. Yeah. But like who's walking out with an unbuttoned jacket? Um also, by the way, Luke also dressed super inappropriately. That's because it's filmed on the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank. I don't care. You're taking me out of it by giving me the same outfit he wears in the fall. <laughs> Well, then he has to come come over and shovel Lorelai's car out of the snow. Yeah, and she's which is also a very Canadian winter problem, by the way. Yeah, but we would never park our car under a tree. No, that's just poor planning. That's just dumb on her part. Like, how long have you been living in Connecticut that you don't know that? That's the thing. Like, I have very little sympathy for her in this episode because I'm just like, all of these problems are you're doing. Yeah, and Lorelai's whole like aesthetic of loving winter relies upon like just watching it not actually having to do the work of being in winter yeah do you remember in season four when the bell episode happened and 
Luke comes over and shovels her driveway. Yeah. So I get the feeling that Lorelai has never picked up a shovel in her life. Probably. Like, she gives off that very diva, I'm not touching it, I'm going to break a nail persona. Uh-huh. Like, she even sends Michelle out in his full-on igloo kit to go and shovel. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why Lorelai has always loved winter, because she's never had to really lift a finger. Even the way she's trying to get the snow off her car, I'm like, you've never seen snow before. Yeah, and that's why it's so easy. <laughs> that's why it's so easy to love winter when you're that kind of person and sadly I think I'm also a bit like that in the sense of I, it's easy for me to love winter if I don't have to go anywhere that day if I'm working from home I'm just inside all day whereas then I get yelled at because you couldn't have shoveled and it's like well you know, yeah she's right I'm sorry your mother's right you couldn't have fucking shoveled well okay first of all usually I will shovel it's just that my dad will come home like at lunchtime and sorry if I haven't shoveled yet because I haven't gone out yet but that's a whole other discussion. So all this to say, Lorelai says she's breaking up with snow. She doesn't like the snow anymore. And mm-hmm. I have a question for you. This episode okay. has been quoted as being one of the most romantic episodes. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Yes and no. Tell me the yes. Tell me the no. Okay. Definitely Luke and Lorelai, just in terms of their their rapport and the whole winter aesthetic, which goes along with her person with Lorelai's personality and the whole aesthetic of Gilmore Girls and the ending with where he makes her an ice rink. So that's I cute. think what people are referring to when they say it's very romantic. So very that, cute, very on Brad. Yeah, and when he says like I I'm a grump about things, but I don't want you to be a grump about things. Exactly, I love all that. That's definitely on brand. Um, if we're going to talk about Richard and Emily and the dog, um, that whole storyline is just cringe. I'm sorry. So what about it is cringe for you? Because I know it's cringe for me, but tell me. (laughs) Okay. What's cringe is that it's definitely, it feels like filler, even though it's not really because it's them leading eventually back together. Um, but sort of a purpose, but I find I wrote my notes like, is, is is this a filler episode? Which is not because there's so much development between Christopher and everybody. Um, but what feels like filler to me is watching uh, Richard and Emily exchange pleasantries over a dog. And I'm like, can we move this along? Um, the Like, oh, my God, there's a dog. How did they get there? Don't touch it. Like, <sighs> yeah, so that to me was also really frustrating. She's acting like it's a freaking bomb instead of a dog. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like. It was refreshing to kind of see them interacting pleasantly with each other after weeks of um, you have no right to be in the, the house. It's my time. You're serving them dinner, not drinks, you know, like all yeah. that petty bullshit. Um, but yeah, I think was there a better way to do it than bringing in a poor helpless animal? Probably. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> it didn't whole- seem like them. No, and the whole dialogue is just like, oh, as actors, I would have been like, okay, let's 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 bat this out in an afternoon so I can go home, you know? Yeah, I don't think for seasoned actors it would have been the most challenging scene to act. No, I was thing- like, oh, let me show you how you like this blanket. I appreciate your help. Like, who are you, the Stepford wives? <laughs> right, but what I think that is about is that they haven't lived together for so long that they're still kind of testing the waters. Yeah, and it, and it, on some level, it is cute to see them like reconnecting, 
But, you know, when you sit down for the purposes of analysis, as we say around these parts, um, it's just cringe. <laughs> yeah, I don't, um, it didn't seem like them. I feel like they could have bonded over something else. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see them bonding over, like, something bad happening to, like, a mutual friend. Like, he got caught with his pants down kind of thing. Because that seems more like Blue Blood, their style, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think from a writer's point of view, it makes sense that it was something household related. Like they both, like, despite being separated, they still live in the same house. So it's like, yeah. Then again, like a stray dog doesn't necessarily have to affect everybody in the house as they make it out to be, you know? Yeah. But also, like, give me a break. Emily Gilmore would never go to the pool house in a blizzard to check on a dog it's sit with a dog never yeah and sit with him and then like you know when he actually says that the owner came to get him to mm -hmm. sit with the dog and be like oh he's just coming to check on the dog what the fuck um, do you care no you're coming to check on your husband of 40 years yeah exactly so i feel like in some cases i understand why they made it something so ridiculous because you're like this would never happen but that's how much she misses him yeah, exactly. Because I think that's what they're also starting to do. They're starting to plant the seeds of like, no, they actually really miss each other. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like there was a more effective way to do it. <laughs> Probably. It was just, it was very trivial. It's like, like when you sit down to analyze it, it's like, you're like, go girl, give me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but it, it was also really weird because sometimes I forget that this, this, at this point, they're still 2005 uh 2004 2004 this would have been i think right before like the winter break so yeah, it's still 2004 i, I, I want to say wedding bell blues was like the first episode back Hopefully. no i think it was the first it was the last episode before the hiatus because they leave you on a cliffhanger yeah cliffhanger let me see Mm. but anyways yeah. while you're looking that up i'm just gonna say I oh no it wasn't wedding bell blues was like valentine's day oh okay so the last episode like the <laughs> the last episode before the christmas break was not as cute as pushkin <laughs> well that's dumb so well yeah this one's the first episode back like after the winter break it was almost almost a month which or no they like ended it on they ended like the fall portion on november 30th and then women of questionable morals aired on january 25th 2005 interesting yeah but what i was gonna say is that okay fine 2004 2005 whatever i often mm -hmm. forget that like the internet's really not a big thing at least for older people at this point yeah <laughs> so like watching him try to explain to her that he went to dogbreed411.com and i'm like yeah okay i mean i think that would have been a bit that was pretty on brand for 2004, 2005. I, no, I get it. But just like as a viewer, you're like, okay, I could just pull up my phone right now and like, look. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's amazing. They kind of information I'll be able on the computer these days. Yeah. Hey, and then, like, she goes to the Louis Vuitton store and like, whatever. So I just think like, sometimes I forget that this show does not take place now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm like, okay. So. <laughs> who? Oh, we sound like such snobs. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know. We're not feeling it today, but uh, but it it reminds me of that scene in uh, season four where he's like, "Emily, I'm going to Google you. Yeah. You are most certainly not going to Google me." Yeah, it's you know, it's I think it's cute because it's cute and relatable, especially for like that point in the 2000s where the internet was still new and was still expanding, 
and you know people of an older generation have their own understanding of it and it was you know it made sense for the time you know yeah yeah, for sure I'm not saying that I I think just my brain sometimes doesn't put the two together yeah (laughs) so I'm watching and I'm like what a dummy and then I have to remind myself that like yeah she's not a dummy you're probably the same way in 2005 yeah, I always think back to why, like, my grandmother never wanted to learn how to use the computer. Because I remember, like, my one of my aunts used to live with her at that time. And when she got, like, when she got her first computer, it was, like, a whole to-do, you know? And then eventually she, like, just had a laptop or whatever it was that she kept at my at my nanny's house. And she never wanted to learn. And I, I think she later told me, I don't know if it was something she told everybody, but she's like, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's, I'm too old for it, she would say. And, you know, I don't, I don't need people talking down to me. And, and that was not something she was ever frank about. So I wonder if it was just something she only ever told me, but, you know, I, I get where she was coming from, you know, for, by that time she was in her seventies. So, you know, more power to you. I would want to learn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm in awe of the people that do. So when I used to work at the public library, we would have like drop in hours for technology mm-hmm. and older people would like bring in their laptops and their um, tablets and they'd be like, well, this is where I am. And can you give me some tips? And I would always be in awe of the people like who wanted to actually wanted to learn, you know, yeah. but because um, I think it is pretty scary when you're trying to learn something new, um, you know, at a certain age where you can just just as easily just say fuck it I'm too old you know yeah exactly Uh, which is also valid by the way like I don't think picturing myself in my 70s I don't think I want to learn anything (laughs) yeah but um it's funny because Vanessa Vanessa is my sister-in-law but Vanessa's grandfather is 92 oh wow and he's still like every day he opens his computer gets his newspaper online like does research on his own like that's impressive (laughs) yeah like so I can't help but be impressed by people like that and so then I just think like Emily Gilmore, you have all the time in the world. It's not like you have a fucking job. Yeah. Like learn the fucking computer. Like, oh, a mouse. How fun. Oh my god. Yeah, like a mouse. Oh my goodness. Just like, move on. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So yeah, I don't know. But um the last thing I wanted to actually touch upon in this episode mm-hmm. was the fact that after Lorelai goes over to Chris's house and they drink. Yes. The next morning, she's pretty hungover. Uh-huh. And she decides, or Rory decides, or they mutually decide that Luke doesn't need to know where she was. Foreshadow. Yeah, so, of course, foreshadow. But I'm curious. So, I had a thought while I was watching this scene and taking notes. It was, you know, we always talk about how Luke wasn't the best at communicating. Mm-hmm. But neither was Lorelai. <laughs> no, that went both ways. Yeah, no, I know. But I think, I feel like because there were, a, because Luke's instances were a little bit more obvious. Yeah. And like in your face, mm-hmm. we often don't point to Lorelai being the same way. No, and we often like, we, we talk a lot about other couples and their communication issues. Like Jackson and Suki is just mm-hmm. a whole smorgasbord of, I didn't tell my wife, I didn't tell my husband. Yeah. Whereas... I think Lorelai has a Lorelai, like we've said umpteen times, Lorelai is very mature in a lot of ways because the way she grew up and the way she came of age, yada, yada, yada. But she and Luke, I think the I think the conflict and the drama that eventually like envelops them kind of just makes sense given how poor like they're both 
You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm just talking. No, I know what you're saying. You know what I, I mean? Think, no, but I, I, I think what you're trying to say, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but it's it's almost as if when they do break up, spoiling, mm-hmm. you're like, if you really sit down and think about it, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. You guys don't talk to each other. You don't tell each other what you're feeling. You don't, you keep secrets from each other. You, Lorelai, I feel in a lot of instances, kind of wants Luke to to intuit what she's thinking. And you're like, well, you can't, you know? Yeah, and you're definitely right when you say like, Luke, Luke's communication issues later on are very much more right in front of your face. Yeah. And to me, it's not so much that he, like, obviously there's communication issues on both ends. But to me, like, we spend so much time, obviously, with the show focusing on Lorelai and Lorelai's character and Lorelai's insecurities, Lorelai's flaws, etc., beneath the surface. And I think it's, I think people just don't realize or didn't, you know, they just discounted the fact that Luke's also a person who might have his own issues and communication was not what was just one in a slew of them. And I think when their later issues come up, it's not just communication. There's a lot of stuff that Luke, you know, that were, that was Luke's problem and Lorelai's problem as well, but it was different, you know? So, um, it was well it was well rounded it was exhausting to watch but it made sense when you sit down and think about it yeah and i mean i think there's there's examples of this throughout the show but mm-hmm. um i don't know lorelei is very so she gets mad at luke for not being who she wants him to be if i'm explaining that properly yeah but also hides a lot of herself from him too Mm -hmm. you know and i think that also goes both ways um and yeah they're just they they just need to talk to each other more they I feel like they both hide things from each other because they don't want to be a burden but it ends up becoming more of a burden that they're holding it on themselves you know yeah, exactly. I don't know. Anyway. I mean, but like, I, obviously, we know there's a reason that Lorelai thinks it's better. Luke doesn't know she was with Christopher, spending time with Christopher in any capacity. Um, it's only like when Suki kind of points out, like, that's weird, you know, like not that you mm-hmm. had lunch with Christopher, but it's weird. You, it's weird you're keeping it from Luke. And in yeah. this case, it's a bit different than just having lunch. Like you got drunk over, <laughs> you, you got drunk together over his dad's death. Like that's a bit more intimate than just having lunch with an old, quote unquote, old friend or something, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think if she had told him. So I definitely think it looks bad that she's like so wasted that she can't even keep her head up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone would like that um, of their partner. Or at least, like, I don't think it's a stretch to say that people would be upset. Like, yeah. I got so wasted with my ex, my ex. you know? Like, I think people are justifiably upset, would be justifiably upset. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, Luke is someone who's lost his father and his mother. Yeah. Who doesn't really have a lot of family. Um, except mm. for his crazy sister who he feels like he has to take care of. Um, and he ultimately he knows Lorelai's heart. So I don't think that if Lorelai would have said, hey, listen, maybe not that day. Mm-hmm. Maybe the next day and said, listen, 
I, or maybe, you know, when he asked her at the end, you weren't okay before. Mm -hmm. But I also kind of think maybe that would have done worse because he's trying to do like a romantic gesture for her now that I think about it. But I don't know. I think Luke would be reasonable enough if you were to tell him like, hey, his dad died very suddenly. And I went over, like it was innocent. Rory was there right before me. I was there and he was just like in a bad place and he doesn't have friends. Like everything that she explained to Rory. So I think maybe Luke would have been upset, but I think he would have calmed down in the end and it would have been fine. You know, I think it's just telling, I think it's just telling that Lorelai doesn't want him to know. I think that's a red flag all around. Well, yeah, because I think ultimately you have to ask yourself, why aren't you telling him? Yeah, exactly. So it's one thing to say I'm not going to tell him, but then it's twice now that you've had to be kind of forced in the first instance to tell him, and now like don't tell him. Right. Well, why? He's not crazy. <laughs> mm. Anyways, it's it's and like spoilies to a couple of episodes, but telling him the way you did was not the right answer. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Yes, yes, we will. The whole, the whole debacle. The whole shabang. The whole shabang. <laughs> Anything else for this episode? I feel like we've been talking for a while. Yeah, I think we covered everything. Um, I did make a note in my my notebook um, about something I wanted to ask you about, and then probably something you've never maybe like never even given that much thought, and you're probably gonna be like, okay, whatever. Um, but have you ever noticed? Maybe because it's been a while since you've watched a show. On, on DVD versus on a streaming service. But have you ever noticed that a lot of times on DVD, like a previously on segment at the beginning of the episode will often like be edited out or not included. Whereas like when you watch on a streaming service, there's more previously on than there is on DVD. Do you I know noticed... why? Well, please tell <laughs> please tell me. Because <laughs> I actually do know why. Okay. So apparently, hmm. and um, because I read a book on this, apparently when they were running short on time because we all know the story that the scripts were doubled the length of regular scripts because they fit so much dialogue into it that's like known across the board there have been so many um reports on that and that in and of itself is really impressive but Mm -hmm. there were times apparently where um even with double the amount of pages and double double the number of pages in the script and the dialogue and whatnot there were times where they were still short on time. Oh, so really? In episodes where they had a little bit more time to kill, mm-hmm. they would put a previously on. And in episodes where they were really, really running late and like they needed every single second, yeah, they'd say "fuck it." Huh? That's interesting. Yeah, I can drop. I can drop the. Um, the citation for that one, if you'd like. <laughs> Which book was it that you read? Is it like an like a like an academic book or? Yeah, so it's a like a behind the scenes kind of thing of Gilmore Girls. Okay. I can give you the title if I can remember it. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's full of tidbits like that. Yeah, um, I think obviously that makes sense, especially when you're on TV, and then there would be no real reason to include that on the DVD if it was just added in for time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so sometimes. Um, and sometimes they knew that they were going to have to do a previously on because it was something that happened so long ago. So yeah, they would, exactly. So they would purposely um, tailor their scripts to that. So and there, was, and there was a lot of times like that's that's true, because like where well, there's times where a previously on is needed, 
like that that's that's in the dvd you know so yeah so like i think where for we example, had it for filler it's yeah for example in this episode they put previously mm-hmm. on and they went back to season one the first time lorelei says she loves snow and the first time we see uh reenactment mm-hmm. so they were um yeah so they would just make adjustments according to what they were doing it's called the gilmore girls companion by a.s berman Oh yes, you've told me about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's filled with little. I think, and I think the reason why I notice it now more is because um, I, I've been watching ER for the very first time in the last oh, few months, gosh. and um, so like I started watching it on Prime Video, and then eventually I invested in the complete series set because I'm a weirdo like that, and I love having I love having complete box sets, um, and I got it on sale on Black Friday, so I didn't completely bankrupt myself. Um, and so like when I like watch it on DVD, there's never any previously on. And then if, if ever I'm watching on prime video, usually there's a previously on segment. So I have bets the same thing. Cause ER was such an, was such an action packed show where every moment meant something. So I'm yeah, sure yeah. if there was ever a time where they needed, they needed filler, it was the same, same kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you also just can't force script sometimes. Yep. You know, like you're leaving it where you're leaving it for a reason so you're like make it extra long the previously on yes the more you know <laughs> the more you know rainbow Anyways, anything else for this episode i think i'm good where can they find us they can follow us on the socials on tweeters at gilmore podcast on instagram at gilmore girls podcast you can email us gilmore gil gilmore podcast at gmail.com and should you feel so inclined um we are launching our very first bonus episode on our patreon this week it's an interview with writer poet activist kalisa ray um it's we had a very fun time talking with her so She's that's so gonna be funny. Ex- yes that's gonna be exclusive on our patreon um so if you'd like to listen you can subscribe there and we really hope you do because we have a lot of fun recording it and we'd love for you to listen so you can do so at patreon.com slash gilmore's podcast and we and will see you next time yes thank you for listening bye